with you from the Real Talk with Shootin' Shot podcast. We are in a post-Thanksgiving fog on this Sunday morning, but we have a lot of interesting things to get to talk to. So Chip slugged his way back to Texas yesterday, the massive 13-hour drive. But And luckily, the good producer that he is, he is having us ready to go this Sunday to bring you guys some interesting topics for this week's podcast. Yeah, you know, it was a, uh, a harrowing journey on my part, uh, but, you know, it was, good, it was good to get out there and see it, and, and the drive really isn't that bad when you have some good audio books to listen to, which, uh-huh. you know, we can get into uh, another time, but there were uh, a lot of interesting sights to see. The sunsets were freaking amazing, um, but, you know, glad I got to get out there to Alabama and see it, man. It was a great time, and, you know, we do have some good content that will be coming out from that, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, for sure, and like... Chute just touched on right there. We're going to start adding some different elements to the podcast that we discussed this week. Going to kind of start um, branching out to let you all know what type of books and stuff we like to read and listen to. Just different things that are big passions of Chute and mine. So we're going to start adding that to the channel too. So be on the lookout for that. But with the Redskins game have already passed and um, what's going on in the NFL and college football, we've got a lot to talk about. But most importantly, today is the 10-year anniversary of the passing of one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Redskins football player to, to step on the field of Sean Taylor. So it is a important thing that we want to go ahead and you know give him his props right from the jump of the show. Yeah, he really is one of the most important um, Redskins that we grew up watching, to be sure. You know, we only had him for, for a short period of time, but he made such an impact on the game of, of football in general. Just so many players that have come up since he was doing it mm-hmm. have credited him with being one of the inspirations for them doing it. And, and me now coaching safeties this last season, um, it's really been cool to see it from the coach's perspective and now go back and watch some of that stuff and see the techniques that he mm-hmm. used and, and the skill level that he was playing at. Um, you know, he may have been one of the best to ever do it, to oh. be honest. There's no question. I mean, you look at his influence on the game today from DJ Swearinger on the Redskins who wears number 36 to pay homage to him or the other guys throughout the league. Like you're saying, Landon Collins, uh, HaHa Clinton Dix, all yeah, these Dix, young yeah. guys who wear 21 specifically to honor Sean Taylor. Sua Cravings was in that uh, conversation last year when he was wearing 36. That's why he did it. But mm-hmm. he uh, you know, forfeited the number to DJ when he got here, but then everything else that went down with him anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But – um, yeah, so his his hand is still in the game today. Obviously, Brian Clark, who put on the piece for ESPN this morning about Sean Taylor, heavily influenced. Even when his time here with us, you know, he had to ask the fans if it was cool with them if he wore 21 in the practice field. You know, he didn't wear right. it in the game, but he knew what that number means to the fans here in D.C. And, you know, when he came over, he was like, Can I just wear it in practice. I've always been doing that to honor Sean. So it was definitely – his presence is still felt, so we miss you two one. I mean, those ten years ago, I remember like it was yesterday when the news broke. But um, many can argue that the organization has not been the same since then. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most emotional uh, funerals I watched. I remember it was during the day, and Dad was home. Mm-hmm. Me and Dad were both there watching it, and it was hard 
to, to, to not cry. I mean, it was really very, very emotional stuff. Um, and, and the way it all went down is what really makes it hurt the, the most. You know, it was such a needless, senseless death yeah. um, that should have never happened, really. Uh, and we, we would have loved, I mean, I, would, I can't even imagine what he would have continued to do had he stayed alive and, you know, continued to play out his career. But yeah. uh, definitely one of the best and definitely somebody that we will continue to honor moving forward. Oh. we got to make sure we'll never forget him. No, for sure. And, um, yeah, the team could have been totally different with Laurent Landry and Sean Taylor on the back end, but we never got to see that happen. So I uh, definitely miss his presence today. But to that end, we definitely got to give our reaction um, uh, to the Thursday night Thanksgiving game. Easily one of the ugliest wins you'll see, but teams of Redskins past lose that game. So I can at least say that I'm happy about the victory considering everything that's happened. The injuries is just astronomical. Uh, so for them to pull it out in the fashion that they did in the fourth quarter, I was pleased to see that. No, I agree hundred percent, you know, short week, 23 guys hurt, you know, more guys on the injury report than we've had, you know, ever, I think, mm-hmm. um, in prime time at home, which that, that's one that gets a lot of uh, kind of overlooked, you know, in prime time at home, we always lose that. Um, you know, and we also gave up a pick six. So there was a lot of things that we overcame in this game. And I think, you know, in those, in that same situation, almost 90% of the teams in the NFL lose that game. And the main reason that we won, and, you know, I, I have been a more vocal critic of Kirk Cousins than most, the main reasons we, we won that game was because of Kirk Cousins. Oh, I mean, there's no question. You can't deny that, even though um, he gave them most of their points by the pick six. But you go back right. and watch the film, and he does trip on the turf. Should he still throw that pass that bad or not? I don't know. I'm not a professional quarterback. I don't know how much that impacts your throwing motion, but I would assume pretty much it would. Yeah, yeah. So you take that play away, we pretty much dominate the whole game. So I definitely think – Kirk is going to get paid, and we'll talk about that forever and ever until it actually happens. But (laughs) (laughs) that's just something that we can say every week. But, um, you know, he's doing it with no help. He's doing plays that you've never really seen him do before, and he himself is saying he's playing his best football. He's finally learning a little bit more, taking advantage of certain situations he hasn't done in the past. So that's my biggest thing about Cousins is that while most people complain that he's not getting it done right now, oh, can you win a Super Bowl with him, what have you, I think he's still growing and becoming better. And I think if we trade him or not trade him, but let him walk in a contract negotiation issue, he's going to go and then eventually develop into a better quarterback somewhere else. And we'll just be sitting here like we always are like, oh, of course we let him leave. Right. And I, you know, I, I think that it was a lot easier to make those arguments against him last year when he had all those weapons around him, because you could point to a guy like Pierre Garcon and DJX and say, well, it's easy when you got thousand yard receivers on both sides, yeah, and a pretty good run game. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, with with the fact that he has no weapons and he's still putting up those numbers consistently, it, it really does show you that a lot of that was not just because we had great receivers, which we did, but it was it was because he was being a, a, a good quarterback. But more importantly, it shows that now, because he doesn't have those weapons, he's even better than he was last year. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I mean, because. You look Imagine at other, what his numbers are if we still have D. Jackson, Pierre Garçon. Or one of the two, you know, if not just one of them. But, right. yeah, so I, I definitely think the argument has been settled. He did what he said he was going to do and go out and earn a contract. So, to my opinion, he's done that. But, you know, you, otherwise you look at the opponent we're playing this week in Dallas and a team that loses two, kind of three, if you count the offensive tackle situation. But I have no sympathy considering look at who our offensive line was last week. Right. So yeah. really two key players in Ezekiel Elliott and 
Sean Lee, and the whole team just crumbles. Yeah, I mean, their team, you know, beginning of the year, they're going to the Super Bowl. You know, they, they, were, right. hot, they were hot last year. Uh, but it just proves that it was all smoke and mirrors. Like we always said last year, I said, wait for a year for teams to get film on Dak. Wait for them to, uh, you know, have a little adversity, particularly with the Zeke Elliott situation. But, you know, they lose Zeke, their whole team goes to crap. And that just shows you uh, how much of an impact Kirk Cousins is making for the Redskins. We have 23 guys on the injury list consistently. Mm-hmm. That's not just like an abnormality. We've been roughly having 20 to 23 every week and we are still pulling out these tough games we should have won in in new orleans we should have won in kansas city you know there are games that we should have won uh but we didn't and you look at the loss that the the cowboys just suffered particularly and that was you know for all intents and purposes a beatdown. yeah the chargers game yeah they didn't show up at all and again short week you can use that argument for everybody at this point so this definitely is a struggling team. They haven't scored any points in the second half of the last three games. I think they've been outscored seventy to zero, and you know Dak has like one hundred and fifty yards in passing. So, and he still has six picks or something. And he has decent receivers, better than what you can really argue for the Redskins. I mean, he has Dez, and then you know some other guys that are Cole out there Beasley. that have the whole, yeah, that have been with him in the past. So, and like Kirk, who's just patching it together with people out there he's meeting before the in the game. So. Right. Should be interesting. It's a totally different game this time around because of the landscape of the two teams, injuries wise and things of that nature. So it's a very important game to see which team really wins this is going to be the one that would be able to stay in the conversation for the second wild card in the NFC. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Whoever loses is pretty much done for the the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that they won't continue to play hard or whatever and think they're going to fight for a spot, but. In all reality, the winner of this game is really the only team, other team from the NFC East that has a chance to get that spot. Yeah. And I realistically think, uh, based off of the way that the teams have performed, um, the Redskins have a really good chance here. Now, we don't know what team's going to show up mm-hmm. because of the injuries, you know, and, and everything. It's still a long ways away from, from next Thursday. So uh, we'll see what team shows up. But I really do think that we have a really good opportunity to get back on the right track here in Dallas. Yeah, I think, I mean, if we win this game, it's the last really tough game we have. So every other one we should, uh, not to say that we should win every one of them, but, right. you know, it, this is going to be the hardest one just considering who it is, where it is, what it implicates, and which team shows up. So I think if we continue on the momentum, I think winning last week will help that. You know, now we have some confidence a little bit, and then we came out relatively healthy out of that game finally. So... Shockingly. Uh, shockingly. So we'll see how they handle the, the work week and show up on the Thursday night game. That's going to be a big playoff implications game. So, But other than that, I mean, there's not much else going on in the NFL. I know we get to watch Red Zone Channel this week because it's a, a rare Sunday where you don't have to stress and wake up. Right. You know, you get to uh, feel good about the fact the Redskins won earlier in the week, and you can kind of just watch more football. So. Mostly a fantasy football type Sunday for me. That's just what I'm going to be paying attention to, as opposed to the overall wins and losses of the the games. Mostly because I think the playoffs are going to shape out the way everyone thinks they're going to. So yeah, yeah I don't think much. that a loss here or there for the rest of the NFL, other than a few key teams, is that big of a deal at this point. So uh, really, the only other thing to talk about then is the crazy weekend we had in college football. 
Yeah, you know, you know, I don't think we've done a whole lot of college football on the podcast yet, but this was such an abnormal week that we can't not mention it. I mean, oh, yeah, especially no with question. the lack of other things going on around, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, video games and all that stuff. This is this has been a crazy week, and more importantly, you know, the team that I had I did not think was ever going to lose, Alabama lost yesterday. I know, man, and so obviously I'm cut to the core on that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I had a feeling it was a possibility. I mean, Auburn is a good team. You know, credit to them and the players that they have. And that running back specifically is another person that I've been paying close attention to because that kid is huge and is another potential landing spot for the Redskins. So I think there's uh, a lot of hype around that team for good reason. But I also feel like, you know, Alabama's kind of struggling with the injury bug just like the Redskins are right now. A lot of people who don't pay attention wouldn't know that. But they have some key injuries as well, so it was a very likely possibility that they go in there and lose. I wasn't really all that shocked. I mean, you are always shocked when Bama loses just because it's Bama. Right, but right. knowing so rarely happens. Uh-huh, but knowing that the the team like I do because I live here and follow them, I had a strong suspicion it was a possibility. So I wasn't all that shocked, but you know, it's just really upsetting because I feel like Alabama's going to get the raw treatment of this deal with the whole committee. You know, when the first rankings came out, they were undefeated at that time, and they put Georgia ahead of them because they feel like Bama has a weak schedule. But to me, that's only because the Florida State team didn't show up this year once their quarterback got hurt, and now they're just trying to be bowl eligible. If everyone forgets that week one of the college football season started with the biggest game ever to be played in week one, Bama versus Florida State, number one versus number three. And Bama went out there, showed up, and beat them. And not only that, but injured their quarterback and ruined their season. So... (laughs) If he doesn't, if AJ Francois doesn't get hurt, Florida State is in the playoff conversation right now, and that Bama win looks way better. But because Florida State was terrible this year for all intents and purposes, when you go in at number three, you barely make bowl eligibility. That's a terrible team. So it weakens Alabama's claim that even though they only have one loss, they should still be in consideration. Everyone's going to say that their schedule is too weak. So. I think a one-loss team, just by the way that is, that you should get in over a two-loss team, period. But with no conference championship, it's going to be tough. It's going to really come down to what happens in those championship games. I think if uh, Miami beats Clemson, you know, a two-loss Miami team, I mean, Miami's going to get in with that win over Clemson. But that would shake up if whether Bama can get in or not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – very confusing to me the committee situation. I mean, I you never know who's gonna who's gonna be in the top four, and that's why I think they should expand it to eight. But that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, I think Alabama because they've been doing it so well for so long that people hold them to a little bit of a higher standard. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so when they take that one loss, it's like much more shocking than you know again a Miami losing to four and seven pit, which I thought was more shocking than Alabama losing to Auburn. Way more I saw shocking. a statistic today where Nick Saban is 0 and seven when Auburn has uh, against Auburn when they had more than nine wins. So hmm. that's, it's not abnormal for them to lose that game. Plus it's a huge rivalry, very uh, contentious uh, situation. Whereas you, you're my, you know, Miami's 10 and 0, they're the hot team. They've gotten four turnovers a game and then they go into pit who's four and seven yeah, and lose. lose. Yep. Um, and they're still going to be in consideration and, and, and that's kind of overlooked. Like I don't see why that loss is better than the loss to Auburn or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's all it all goes back to what I'm saying. It's all about the conference championship game. They get that additional right. game on their resume. So I yeah. don't know. It is confusing though. And like the fact that 
the committee is made up of like politicians and you know people. I know, right? I don't understand it. It's weird. I thought the BCS was a confusing like way they had that set up with computers versus coaches polls and all that stuff. So I understood the reason to want to switch it up, but I don't know how they came up with this idea, just putting 20 random people who passively watch football in a room <laughs> right. and let them determine the outscape of how this whole thing shakes out. I think if you at least expand it to six teams, maybe not even eight, six, it would at least take some of that out. But, you know, who knows? I just think that Bama deserves – I mean, if you've only lost two games in two years, one of which is the national championship, the other one was the Iron Bowl against the number six Auburn team, that's pretty good as opposed that to is. being yeah. – yeah, I mean, Miami was on an unbelievable win streak of 15 games going back to last season, but, you know, they lost a pick. So I don't, I think the Alabama loss is a lot better than the other. So I think at least give them a four seed. I mean, let them get in there. Right. But we'll see. I don't know. It's definitely interesting, but it's really hard to predict just because you can't predict that because it's just a bunch of people shooting it and then they decide to come out with something on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and again, we don't know most of the people that are on there. I know Connolly's Rice is on there. That's yeah. not the only one I know. Um, but, you know, again, it, it just seems uh, like they have some animosity towards Alabama because they're always in it. So maybe they're like, oh, let's give some new teams a chance. Well, Alabama's still one of the best teams. It doesn't matter. Like, they're one of the top four regardless. Let them in. Um, especially when there are no winless teams except for UCF. Now, I know, obviously, their schedule's not even close to an Alabama or a Miami, but... Being that they are winless, if they go into this conference championship game and win, do they deserve to even be talked about in the in the conversation at least? I mean, thirteen and zero is tough to do, regardless of right. what. I mean, I think really more realistically, they should get a New Year's Six bowl. I mean, I don't think it really yeah. should be in a playoff. No, they, they won't be in the it's going to be like that Boise State situation when they finally earn their way up into a, a big bowl game on New Year's Day. This was before the playoff, obviously, it was during the BCS, right. but and they lost to Oklahoma like fifty-one to. 10 you know i think it'd be something similar to that you know washington last year i mean that's a pac 12 so it's a little bit bigger of a conference but they still got straight dominated by bama so i think if you put them in there it's more ceremonial where if you put a team like bama in there like that rightfully deserves to be in there with one loss over an undefeated ucf that they can go in and the games are going to be competitive and it's going to make a way more compelling national championship game that's true yeah you know that's what it's all about is making that money Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, other big news in college football, obviously, is the fact that Michigan loses to Ohio State, which is now sparking rumors that Jim Harbaugh might leave to come back to the NFL. And then you look down the other side of the country, and Chip Kelly just signs a massive five-year contract with UCLA. So the landscape of college football is changing rapidly. Yeah, it's pretty shocking that Harbaugh just can't get over that hump and beat Ohio State. I don't know if it's like something against Urban Meyer, like Urban Meyer really has his number or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it is, uh, yeah, I mean, it is kind of surprising given the, the success that Harbaugh has had at both levels. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I, to be honest, I think, it, you know, maybe he, he will go back. I think he should stick around in college for a little bit longer. I think he, he's got that Michigan program right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you leave now and it's just going to, you know, either fall apart or somebody's going to have to pick up the pieces where, you know, it's not outside their own possibility within the next three, four years that Michigan is fighting for a national championship. So I think he, he keeps going in college until he gets that title. Um, and then he maybe will consider going back, but you know, who knows? I, I'm more interested to see what Chip Kelly does going to UCLA next year. 
Yeah, I mean, as far as Harbaugh goes, real quick, just want to touch on that. Like, I think it's going to come down to if he wants to win his alma mater or a national championship as a coach, or if he just wants the money. So, right, if right. he will, if he just wants the money, yeah, he'll go. But because that's clearly what Chip Kelly has done. I saw a tweet yesterday that said he has signed over t- like through five different contracts in seven years because he's leaving and going and leaving and going. He has signed twenty plus years and. Uh, like $150 million worth of money, like contract wise. You know, one year was five years, 23 million. Another one was four years, 24 million. You know, add all those together, the dude has made a massive amount of money just by, Jeez. uh, structuring his contracts and stuff. I saw another tweet. It was like a kid holding all these stacks of money on his head, pretending it to be a phone. And it was like a live look at Chip Kelly talking to Florida <laughs> or UCLA. Cause he just makes, he's been making money and it's really off limited success at, uh, yeah. Oregon. I mean, he really should have just stayed there, but he obviously knew what he was doing in terms of ma- maximizing his value. So I think I tweeted out that I would have chose UCLA over Florida any day. You know, to me, it's like, huh, do I want to go to California where I kind of had some success out there in the Pac 12 in the past, or do I want to go to the SEC and have to play Alabama, Nick Saban, and now Auburn is back in the mix there? You know, I'm not doing that once a year yeah. if I don't have yeah. to. So if I'm playing Way those teams. If I'm playing those teams, I want it to be in the playoffs. So right. I was not shocked that he went out to UCLA. But now everyone's saying that because he's going there, Josh Rosen, the quarterback, is now contemplating, thinking about staying because they didn't really have the big year that they he thought he was going to have, not in terms of his statistics, but his overall record at the school. Like I think he wanted to be in contention to win a championship. So I think he might stick around, which would then drastically change the draft uh, prospect quarterback situation drastically. Yeah, I think he would be smart to stay, too. I mean, you know, I don't really think Chip Kelly is the best head coach out there. I don't, you know, what he did in the NFL was was okay. He had some success. But I do think that he is an offensive genius. Uh, yeah. The guy's offense, it's, it's ridiculous what he was able to do on all levels. He brought that to the pros, and it worked uh, when everybody said it wouldn't work. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, if I'm that quarterback and I have more time, yeah, I would stick around. And not, not only because he's going to get you wins just by the simple fact that his offense is so good, but mm-hmm. it's going to boost your stats like crazy, make you look really good, and pro- probably raise your st- uh, stock in the draft. So, Well, like I said, that's what it's going to come down to. If he's still projected number one, number two overall, right. he probably could still go and then not have to worry risking injury, but – if number one, if you're projected number one and the Cleveland Browns are picking, do you really want to go? So yeah, given uh, their history with quarterbacks, Sam no Donald sir. at USC said the same thing. He, if the Browns have the number one pick, he might not come out. Like people are actively avoiding Browns. And shout out to B Dog who also made the trip to Bama this week. Who bless his heart is a struggling Browns fan. <laughs> you know, it's never good news when your team has players contemplating returning to a senior year when they're already planning on coming out just because they don't want to get drafted by you. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of uh, hard times as Redskin fans, but you know, there is a special sympathy that goes out to all those Cleveland fans. Cause whatever we, whatever problems we have, mm-hmm. it's 10 times worse for them. And yeah, you know, to see B-Dog go through all that, and we always kind of bring up, you know, you always bring up things like that, like talking about the Cowboys passively in, in a mm. negative way. And he's like, man, why you got to bring the, the Browns into this? It's like, <laughs> well, you know, uh, they do suck. So I mean, they haven't won a game in two years. But, hey, at least they got King James. They got a basketball championship. That's, so that's right. Why at least that their for. city has one championship. So, you know. We I have nothing, so I feel yeah. bad for us, too. But, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out. Should be interesting. I like when college football is more interesting because it makes me want to watch it more, at least. So, For sure. Um, 
we'll see how that all shakes out. But now we get to talk about moving forward into next week, as in the Thursday game we play with Dallas coming up. Yeah, you know, we, we kind of touched on it with the reaction a little bit, but, you know, we do want to get a little bit more into this because mm-hmm. it is a weird week. It's not like we could play again on Sunday, which if we did, we would have a separate show where we mm-hmm. preview that. But because we played a game on Thursday, now we're playing again on Thursday, we wanted to make sure that we get a little bit of analysis of this. But yeah. the main thing about this, Chuck, uh, compared to last Dallas week, is that this, this is a totally different situation than we were in last time not just our team but the cowboys as well there's they're in a really rough patch right now yeah i mean they're in a downward spiral and i love every second of it so hopefully that continues but yeah i mean we wanted to at least give some like true analysis of what we think is going to happen in the game what needs to happen in order to um come out victorious because we want to be able to come back and check ourselves on a rapid reaction show so hopefully we're right this time more than likely we'll be wrong but we'll see (laughs) you know i think really the game's going to come down to uh Kirk Cousins playing well. He's going to definitely be, you know, who I would say has to be our key contributor going into the the game for us to be victorious. But really, we just have to limit Dallas ultimately. I mean, we cannot keep giving up 30-plus points a game. That's the main thing. You know, and our defense has been playing well uh, for a majority of the games, and then the last two minutes we give Mm -hmm. up just an ungodly amount of yards and points. Um, so if we can just lock out that last two minutes and if, you know, again, like you said, if we hold them to under 20, we win. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that is an attainable goal. You know, last, last time we were worried about holding Zeke to under a hundred. Well, now that is not even in the equation. Yep. Um, and we've seen what effect that has had on the Dallas Cowboys. They lose Zeke, their whole offense goes to crap. So if we can just, uh, limit, you know, Dak Prescott really put some pressure on him and make him try to overcome some adversity. I think that we, we should, have a pretty good chance to win this. We also got to stop yeah. Dez. You know, we can't, Definitely. can't let Dez do what he does. I mean, if you're telling me that the recipe for success for the Dallas Cowboys is that Dak Prescott has to be this, I'm happier going into this game than much Definitely. more so than last game. Because, like I said, when we were previewing that game, you know, we had to stop Zeke. Now you just got to make Dez be Dez. So I think that we need to get a turnover on defense to help get those juices flowing. Like you said, make him feel vulnerable and start doubting some decisions and stuff like that. Once the turnover monster starts for him, it's going to start rolling. So if we can get more than one, that's even better. But um, those turnovers on defense would be – or that and or special teams play a big return or something like that I think would be very helpful in this game. But, you know, obviously it's a little hard coming into this week particularly because every time the Cowboys line up and running the ball as their RB1 is going to be – one of my favorite Redskins of uh, teams past, Alfred Morris. Yeah, he's still one of my favorite players, players. in the league. Even, yeah. even though he's on uh, Dallas, you know, when he came here, uh, every time he comes here, he meets with the, the old uh, crew, grounds crew that he always mm. hung out with. He, one of the most humble guys ever, rode his bike to work here when he was a <laughs> Redskin. Like, you can't not like Alf. So when we watch him play for the Cowboys, you do want to see him do well just because you love the guy. But at the same time, He's playing for the enemy now, so yeah. we got to stop him. And I think, you know, again, I think we have a pretty good shot at stopping, shutting him down and shutting Dez down, mm. uh, just like you said, to make Dak be Dak. And if we do that, it should be a pretty good game. I'm just I'm just really – it's it, to me it feels like, again, a, a, one of those trap games where, you mm. know, we should win, to be honest. We should win. But mm. are we going to? What team's going to show up? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. And like you're saying, it's going to be – 
uh, struggle. I'm sure it's going to be stressful, and it probably will be ugly just because right. he's going to be injured. But I don't care what it is as long as we get the win at the end of the day. But, you know, I said that I think Kirk needs to play well for us to win. I mean, like I said, he's my key player of the game. You know, I think he's going to need to throw for some good chunk of yards. I don't know if he needs to get 300 like he's been doing the last couple of weeks. I would love it because he's my right. fantasy quarterback. But <laughs> I think – you know, he just needs to play well, limit turnovers and things of that nature. So that's my guy. Who's your guy? I think this week it's got to be Josh Doxon. Um, you know, Which sounds good seen, to me. Yeah, we've seen flashes. <laughs> Obviously, that helps your your guy. But, uh, mm. no, we've seen a few flashes here and there, a few games here and there. And then this week, Jameson Crowder broke out. We need Doxon to have a game like that. And I really I think, you know, with – uh, the possibility of Dallas having a new corner and a new safety in there, mm-hmm. I think that there is a vulnerability for him to actually come up. If he can string together a few of those great catches that he's had into one game, you know, we could see him go for 180 and two touchdowns. I, I don't think that that's outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, um, I don't think so either. I think if uh, he gets going, uh, he can definitely take over a game, and that's why we drafted sure. him, and that's what I want to see too. Right, so we've been waiting we, for it, so I think that this is yeah. this is his chance. Like you said, we've seen flashes of it, and he had a touchdown last week to help us win the game, so he played well last week too. But I right. think seeing Jamison go off a little bit, it might have him a little hungry and be like, man, I want that uh, you know, 25-point fantasy-type right. performance. So I would love to see that. I think, it, you know, if anything, it's going to be an interesting game to, to check out. It's Thursday night, primetime TV. I hope they don't do that weird Madden camera thing. Yeah, I, but, didn't, I didn't get a chance to see that in the last one. I was intrigued by it, but uh, did did you watch it? Was I saw it I saw clips of it. I saw clips of it. It's a little. It's just weird. It takes a little while to get used to, but it does look like you're playing Madden, and I understand why they're doing it. You know, to right. get kids who really started liking football because of playing Madden on PlayStation and what have you, which is really the main reason that I like soccer. I mean, I got into yeah, soccer because of FIFA, so I understand what they're doing and why they want to try that out, but. I don't want to see that for the Redskins game. I don't want some experimental camera angles going on when I want to be <laughs> right. able to pay attention to every single thing that's happening. So that's going to distract me a little bit too much. But yeah. I'm excited for it. Uh, I don't know if we're doing Color Rush or not. I haven't looked into that. So it should be interesting to to see what the, the uniforms are for the week. But I'm sure we'll make a comment on it on our next Redskins rapid reaction. For sure. For sure. For sure. So definitely be sure to check back with us. Like I said, I know our timing is a little weird over the last couple of days in terms of when we're putting out content just because the the travel Chew did to come down and hang out, which, again, I appreciate you, man, for coming over. So we'll get back more on a regular schedule with the previews and the uh, episodes coming out on Sunday along with the rapid reaction. So check back with us, and thanks again for tuning in to Real Talk with Chew and Chop. You've been out of touch. You've been out of touch.